to the Beerly Hockey Podcast. Podcast. I'm back in my home in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's your boy Phil Razor. We had fun last week together, boys, and now we're back to that virtual life. I am once again joined by Nate McBride and Aaron Kenny. Guys, we're not in person, and I hope people really enjoy the debauchery that happens when we're in person. That being said, not every show can be a gonger. Am I right? Yep, that's true. We always, <laughs> when in person, we derail hardest. It, it's true. And you, you never know what's going to happen. But Aaron, how are we doing tonight, man? I usually start with Nate. I'll start with you tonight. The nice blue jackets jersey you got on there. Good sweater. Thank you, Who's sir. On the back that one? So we're, uh, we're repping Seth Jones here tonight because he is playing in Chicago against the Maple Leafs. And we need those boys in Chicago to pick up more points. Jackets barely yeah. escaped against New Jersey. It's still in last place the other night. One second left. They allow a goal in regulation to avoid picking up the two points that are going to take us out of that Bedard sweepstakes. So we are firmly in last place. And if Chicago can stage a multi-goal comeback, which I don't have a lot of faith in them, then we will probably be looking better even more tonight. Uh, I am celebrating the occasion by drinking a Seventh Son assistant manager beer right now. This thing is just a nice, smooth drinking golden ale, American golden ale here. So, popping this guy. Assistant manager is nice because then the Karens don't ask for you. Exactly. Well, so, a little story back here. Got a little uh, image of a cat on the front here. Don't know if you guys can see that. They have a a company cat at the brewery that just kind of came with a place, and they call him the assistant manager. He just roams around while people are drinking and, you know, hangs out with the patrons. He's a badass. So, they named the beer after him. That's cool as fuck. I like that. I like that. Nate, oh, yeah. what are we doing tonight, brother? Oh, dude. Life's good. Went to, I was actually in attendance at that game that Aaron aforementioned. Uh, but, man, I called I called that goal going in with 1.4. With, like, five seconds left, I said to the person next to me, this one's going in. Fuck Boom. That, in the fucking net. 1.4 seconds left. And in honor of that man that let in that goal with 1.4 seconds left, I'm sipping on a nice little brew dog Elvis juice. Oh, that was a seamless transition, my friend. Dude, that game last night was wild. And you're wearing a Toronto St. Pat's, too. That's very clean. Um, that game was wild because Johnny Goudreau scored, you know, Goudreau scored at the buzzer at the end of a period. And with then- 1.4 seconds left. It, yeah. There were two goals that happened with 1.4 seconds left. And then the Devils scored like seven seconds into the period right after that. There were a lot of like really bizarrely early and late goals in that game last night. 100%. Very emotional Um, up and down in the arena for the uh, fans in attendance last night. How many people were cheering when the Devils scored that last second goal? Could have been everyone. Should have been. Should have been, but it wasn't. Yeah. People don't get it. They just don't get it. People don't get it. Yeah. Short-sighted motherfuckers. Boomers, buddy. Boomers. In honor of the stadium series coming to Raleigh, North Carolina this weekend, being played at Carter Finley Stadium, home of NC State, I'm drinking a hell yes, ma'am. Oh, hell yes, ma'am. Doesn't get much more southern than that voice from the Raleigh Brewing Company. So, uh, I'm thinking about hopping on a train and heading up there. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Dude, that'd be spectacular. Get some. There's a, there's a train. Now, that, yeah, there's a train that runs between the two, so we can just like gas beers on the way up, and then go up there tailgate, go find a bar, and hang out. You know. Yeah, I'd that's... love to go, but I'd love to go, but like the tickets right now on re- resell are banana land. So, oh yeah, I forget. Well, before the season, we were kind of talking about it very casually, 
and looked yeah. at ticket prices and they really weren't terrible. I was like, damn, this could work out. And then we just completely forgot about it. And now here we are. I'm sure they're all fucking scalped to the moon. Life, life happens, man. It's absolutely, absolutely crazy. But before we get into the hockey talk, boys, Nate, I know you feel very passionately about this. I would love to hear your Super Bowl, your Super Bowl recap there. Oh, fuck. This fucking league is rigged, dude. I mean, the Chiefs were not a good enough team to be winning this Super Bowl. It really helps out when you got the refs really wearing red and white and not black and white. Um, Dude, I, I hate the Chiefs. This league is so fucking rigged. Dude, they're getting they're getting they're getting the Pat's Brady treatment that happened way back in the day. Have you heard the fucking conspiracy around the sod father though? Oh, I have not yet. Get laid on me. So the sod father, I forget the guy's actual name, but that's what they call him. He's put the turf together or the grass or the field. He's been like the field maestro for fifty some Super Bowls in a row. And this was his last one before he retires. He's like in his 90s somehow. And this guy is from Kansas City. He's a Chiefs fan. He has multiple Super Bowl rings from the Chiefs for like being part of the league and, you know, being involved in the Super Bowls with the turf. And uh, some tweet was circulating around. I, I couldn't find it. Otherwise, I didn't come prepared for this conversation here tonight. But like just the statistics on like, how many Eagles players slipped on defense when they were rushing the passer versus how many Chiefs players? It was like less than half. And the Eagles were changing cleats like multiple times throughout the games, and the Chiefs didn't change cleats once. So NFL rigged, sod father rigged, uh, told the Chiefs about the conditions on that fucked up field that he made, and the Eagles just, they fell apart, man. Everything, everything was just perfectly aligned for the Chiefs to just run away and escape with this thing that they shouldn't have gotten in the first place. Yeah, well, Mahomes still has about uh, five Super Bowls to go before he catches Tom Brady, so I'm I'm pretty confident. And I think Pat if Pat, I think if, I don't know. I think if Pat wins four or five, people will say he's better than Tom because Tom's playoff numbers are terrible. Hey, they don't Tom, ask how; Tom. they ask how many, Phil. Um, Tom has been carried. To, yeah, but Tom has been carried to like four or five of them. But either way, he that's makes not the, the clutch throws when they count, though, buddy. This is a hockey podcast, damn it. Yeah, don't, don't fucking, don't fucking give me clutch arguments. I hate that shit. Yeah, Justin Williams is the greatest player of all time, right? Let's get into the hockey talk, boys. We do have to start it off though. Bad note: the father of Alexander Ovechkin, Mikhail Ovechkin, passed away today. He was seventy-one years old. Um. I mean, obviously, condolences to, you know, the great eight and his entire family. Uh, you, you know, that's, that's he's away from the team now, at least through the weekend, uh, if not maybe a little longer. Totally understandable. Um, I will say, though, from a hockey perspective, one, we got to get some miles off his legs there for the Caps when he comes back. But I think it's going to make his goal number 895 – so fucking emotional. Oh yeah, it's gonna be oh, so emotional. On that one for sure. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, he he might cry on the ice. I could see it. He might. He very well get, might. He's gonna get mobbed by his teammates, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I just, I I thought of that today. I was like, man, his dad's seen him do everything. You know, hit the eight hundred goal mark, number two all time. But you know, unfortunately, now he'll be looking down on on Ovi as he uh inevitably breaks you know 
99's record for most goals in a career. Um, but yeah, just wanted to give uh, you know some uh, some stick taps to the Ovechkin family there. I think it was uh, well deserved before we hopped in. But guys, let's hop in, and we're going to go back to a team that we've talked about a little bit recently. We're going to talk about it again because they made the blockbuster trade of the year to date. Um, you, yeah, Islanders fans may not want to hear that, but you know, come at us, Twitter at Barely Hockey. You know where to find us. The Rangers made the decision to go out, and they didn't get Patrick Kane, but they went out and got Vladimir Tarasenko. Aaron, how do you feel about this trade? Dude, I absolutely love this trade. So uh, for anyone who didn't see, I did a little guest appearance on the Soda Pod over the weekend, and we really broke this thing down a bunch. Um, those are great guys. Give them a listen if you get a chance. And one thing we talked about here is just Patrick Kane – First of all, you've got some health concerns with him right now. He's dealing with a hip issue. Secondly, he was so kind of off in the distance with whether he wanted to stay in Chicago, whether he wanted to leave. Like, he really controls where he goes because he's got that no-trade clause. So for them to do anything or get any return, he's got to okay it. And he was undecided for so long about it. I don't blame the Rangers at all for going out and getting somebody else. And honestly— I think Vladimir Tarasenko is a way better fit for that system than Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is an awesome player. He's a magician with a puck, great playmaker. He had good chemistry with Panarin in Chicago. But really, he's a very similar player to Panarin and a very similar player to a lot of the guys the Rangers already have. You know, they've got playmaking skill by the fucking gallon over there. What they don't Mm -hmm. have is pure elite finishing talent. I mean, they do have a little. They got Mika Zibanejad. Panarin can finish when he wants to, but he's much better utilized as a passer. Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider had a career year last year, but I he gets more of like the gritty in tight goals, like net front stuff. He drives a net power forward type stuff. Yeah. Vladimir Tarasenko can rip wrist shots from fucking 40 feet out on oh, yeah. unscreened goaltenders. Like, he is a pure shooter to the extreme. This guy's got forearms the size of fucking Popeye, and he just sends missiles from him. And just having him on that opposite wing from Panarin, we've already seen how it worked out. So they traded for him last Thursday, right as I was releasing the weekend preview. This is why you read the uh, weekend preview here, boys. Released my picks for the night. Hey, Vladimir Tarasenko just got traded here. He loves playing with Panarin from their time in international play in Russia. He's going to score a goal tonight, and he did just that on his third fucking shift of the game from Panarin setting him up. So it's it's looking like some beautiful music over there in New York. Their team looks deep as hell right now. They got the kid line back together with Heedle, Lafreniere, Capo. They are fucking tearing it up. This looks like a very good team right now. And in that deal, they also bring in defenseman Nico Mikola. I got to bring some toughness, yeah. some grit, some experience to that third pairing. I mean, I, I absolutely love this deal for New York. Uh, and they really didn't pay a fucking lot to get it. Nate, you want to go through what the Rangers gave up here? Because it really was not that much. Dude, they, they got away with a fucking highway robbery here. They sent they sent the Blues a first-round pick, um, which they have their own plus Dallas from the Nils Lundqvist trade. Um, they'll send whichever one's lower to the Blues. Um, then they get Sammy, the Blues get Sammy Blyce, um, returns to the Blues after coming over with a second round pick for Buchnevich, clears, uh, you know, about 1.5 in cap space, 
And really, the guy just didn't do shit in New York. He had one goal, nine assists, and ten points in 56 games. Um, and grinder all day yeah, long. Fourth line oh. grinder, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they also got a deep prospect in Hunter Skinner. Um, low end. He was drafted fourth round 2019. Bounced between the AHL and the ECHL over the past few years. So, I mean, you they have no... Their best pull right here is the first round pick. And it's yeah, not going to be a very high one because... It's either the Rangers who are good or Dallas who's very good too. Whichever one's lower there, so like you're guaranteed late. You're first talking round. like twenty. You're talking. You're talking twenties both ways. And the fact that the Rangers keep one of those picks, like they're bringing in a star rental and a depth defenseman for some scraps that they needed to move anyway, and Sammy Blay, and a, a resource yeah, that they, they didn't really even need. What's up? Hey guys, before we before we move on to the, uh, you know, a little more analysis on this trade. I, Nate, I want to throw it to you real quick, and then Aaron chime in. Who, which New York team pulled off the better trade, the Islanders or the Rangers? Oh, the Rangers 100%. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That was, that, was that even a fucking question? Jesus. Like, but I mean, don't get me wrong. Bo Horvat in New York is great, and they have locked him up long term. So, that's, you that's know, you've got, thing. They've got Horvat for they, a while. You've got yeah, you've got a piece that you're going to be able to build around for a while, but then again, you know you've got and he's able to help the team that he's they've got right now. But this also isn't a team that's going to do anything. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, and I don't think even if you know coming into next season, I don't think they'd be ready to make a playoff run right then and there. It would have so been a great they have, trade if a different team in a different position would have made it. For what New York's doing. All they did was strap themselves with a huge cap hit for the next seven, eight years and tear apart some assets. I mean, that's yeah, that's all they did. I mean, that's all they're doing is yeah, bring any rebuild they want to do once this shit inevitably falls apart. Exactly. I mean, and, and the Rangers, you gave, like you said, Aaron, they gave up stuff there. They gave up guys that they needed to cut anyway. They gave up a pick they didn't really need. And what do you get? You get a all star forward and a crucial piece that can help you advance even further into the playoffs and a D pro or and a D guy that honestly it, it doesn't hurt to have more D and they've already got a great deep defense. So dude he adds some nastiness hurt. behind Truba too. This guy fucking tears it up. Absolutely. Like the Rangers the Rangers blue line is fucking incredible now. Like I, I'd be worried about that blue line. I'm really, really impressed with how Keandre Miller is coming along. Dude, he looks that so guy good. Is, oh my God. That's what I'm saying. Like, their blue line, they've got so much depth right now. They could yeah, go, perfect. no matter which pairing is on the ice, they're a threat. So, I have a question for you guys that was raised to me on the soda pod here over the weekend. Um, Great podcast, by the way. I know you shouted out earlier. Big shout out to the guys at Soda for having Aaron on. And that was a great interview. So, I just wanted to give you a... A little, a little stick tap, some love from the boys. Oh, thank you, sir. And we got to get those guys on here soon, too. I mean, they're, they're awesome, knowledgeable dudes. Crush the bruise. Fun to talk to. Um, but they brought up this uh, this very interesting idea to me. I don't think it really fits the Jackets timeline because this is where they proposed it. But the Rangers are going to have some fucking cat problems next year. They've got young players who are due for big raises. One of them is center Philip Heedle. He just broke a five-game goal-scoring streak. He has been absolutely lights out this year. 
he is due for a big pay increase, and the Rangers do not have cap space to pay him. And they propose the idea of the Jackets potentially trading for him, which I'm not super high on just because I don't think he's a surefire top-line center, and we've got a lot of like middle-of-the-lineup centers so far, especially with the prospects coming up. But what are your guys' opinions on that, and where do you see him maybe being a fit here in the next season or so if the Rangers can't retain him, which I don't think they're going to be able to? I hate to say, I hate to be that guy and say it, but I think it's just a little too early to tell with him. Like, I, I mean, I don't hate the idea of it, but I'm not ready to give up a whole lot for it because I think he's still a little unproven. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we can get him for like a couple mid-round picks, I'm game for it. I take, I take him. If you can get him for a third, if you could get him for like a second, a third, maybe, and a, a second and a third, I'd take him. Yeah, and maybe like a mid-range prospect. What are we thinking for AAV? Dude, it's so hard. So hard. Put to him at, I think you put him at like I think you put him at like maybe six, seven. I don't know if I'm ready to go that high yet, just because of body yeah. work. Maybe even five. I, I'd even be okay. I, I'd even go maybe even five. I'd be comfortable with five. So Filipino right five now. Sounds, five, sounds, five sounds a little better to me, honestly. So he's currently making two point six. He's due for a raise for that for sure. He's 23 years old, so very young. He has, this season, 19 goals, 14 assists, 33 points in 45 games. Solid production from a mid-middle six center. Last year, regular season, no bueno. Eight goals, 14 assists. Season before, what do you know? Eight goals, 14 assists. In 42 games, no less. But... Yeah. Even the season before, 14 goals, nine assists. I mean, he he's just not blowing me out of the numbers or out of the water with his numbers. Although this season, that's why, that's why he's just un, he's unproven. He's having a hot year this year, but if you look he the was year hot before, as hell in the playoffs though, last year, dude, he, he's gonna get like a he's gonna get like a four by four from Nashville. Dude, I don't. I could see him. See that. I could see him cracking five. He is very, very reasonably within reach of 30 goals this year. I mean, one more and he's four. at 20. He's been hot lately. I could see him hitting 30 goals. If he scores 30, he's getting at least five, maybe six. Yeah, okay, then I, I would go maybe like a three-by-six or a four-by-five. Yeah. yeah. That way he can sign one. That way, yeah, yeah, and that, that way, you know, he hits 26-27 as a UFA, and then he'll actually, you know, be able to, you know, get his one big contract if he earns He reminds me of like a Victor Arvidsson, man. That's who he reminds me of. I don't know. I, I think he's got a little bit more offensive skill than Arvidsson because Arvidsson would like – he would hammer home pucks from in front of the net. He was good at, like, all the dirty area shit. Heedle has some fucking wheels and some hands, dude. This guy can, like, create all kinds of offense and make shit happen on his own without having to have stuff filtered towards him. So he's more of, like, a, you know, Aldi brand version of what we were talking about before with Tarasenko. Mm, I, I, I see him more as, like, a, a driver than Tarasenko. Tarasenko is a finisher... Trying to think of who I would almost compare him to a Matt Duchesne, honestly. Like early Matt Duchesne. I can play this game all day with you, Aaron, because I think it's fun. But watch your brain work in motion. I just like throw I'm like, I kind of feel this way, but I wonder how Aaron feels. So I think it's kind of fun to watch your brain work as we did live. I love it. Um, We gotta move on though. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's that's totally fair. I know we wanted to give some uh, some props to the GM there, don't we? Dude, Chris Drury has just done so well. I love the moves he's made. Nate. Yeah, dude, I was, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, so far I'm impressed with the guy, but 
Um, it's like we've seen, you know, a GM, uh, a GM's good graces only last so long. Um, you know, let's see what this team does in the playoffs and let's see how they continue. This is going to be his yeah. biggest challenge in the off season here, trying to balance this cap with all these young kids. Mm-hmm. Cause he's done a great job of drafting, developing, made a good hire in Gerard Galan as coach, made some mm-hmm. astute moves to add to the roster before the playoffs. But yeah, it's. How he navigates this difficult cap crunch is going to be very interesting to see. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be big. I want to give him all the stick tabs in the Tarasenko deal too, because obviously he came in and, you know, scored on a beautiful assist from the one and only Breadman Artemi Panarin in his uh, in his debut. But brilliant move too, because Tarasenko and Panarin, they're both Russians, man. They play together. They know. You know, they got that Russian chemistry, which is definitely real. Oh, yeah. It's very, very real. Well, the you game's know, just played so. so much more differently over there. I mean, it, it's so much more of a skill finesse. Like everybody's in motion. You got bigger ice. You're you're working on like thinking three or four passes ahead versus just trying to send the puck to open space and beat your man there, like the American game. So they they see shit happening in very similar ways versus you know some of the other. Not that they can't make chemistry with American players, not by any means, but. They, it's just a little bit different when you get guys that grew up in that system and then have, you know, the international experience. And uh, something interesting that I found here that I was actually reminded of, way back, you guys remember when Artemi Panarin first came into the league, signed with Chicago, everyone's yeah. like, who the fuck is this kid? And he absolutely lights it up. Well, apparently, Vladimir Tarasenko before that season was absolutely lobbying the shit out of his GM to sign Panarin out of Russia. Because he was undrafted, free agent signing. He's like, this kid is incredible. You guys have got to believe me. He's awesome. And they were like, nope, he's too small. And then Chicago signed him. And it's been fucking lights out ever since. I mean, Doug Armstrong looks like an absolute chode for diminishing this guy because of his size. Uh, Yeah, you think? I mean, that Blackhawks organization made enough mistakes, you know, during that tenure. But um, hilarious to me. Also... Would Artemi Panarin have stayed in St. Louis? He's clearly a big market guy. He clearly wants the attention, right? Well, I mean, he didn't. I mean, he, he would have been on that. Cup. He'd have been on that Cup team. Maybe. Sure. Well, he he was only sure, in Chicago for I, two years, and that's a big market. That's what I'm saying. He loved it there. He gets traded to the Blue Jackets, plays his ass off in Columbus, but had no reservations on leaving. So I feel like. He's one of those cups guys. Can change, cups can change things. That's all I'm just going to say. Well, even oh, if God. you get him for – he was between – so he signed four years before he signed in New York. Signed in Chicago for two years, then re-upped and then traded to Chicago. Or, I mean, traded to Columbus. So for four years of Artemi Panarin to sign him out of Russia for free without sacrificing yeah. draft capital or assets – I don't give a shit if he leaves after four years. I mean, you want him to stay, but to get four years of this guy without sacrificing any assets, 100% you take that deal every time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, you take it every time. Yeah, all day long. Absolutely. By the way, Aaron, I believe you called a certain prop, right? Yeah, Is so that correct? That's what I was touching on there, man. That Vladimir Tarasenko anytime goal score. This is why you read the weekend preview, boys. So I had three picks in that game. All three of them should have hit. So I had Tarasenko, anytime goal scorer, plus 220. I had 
Tarasenko over two and a half shots. It was minus 130. He had two shots in the first period, and they were setting him up all night long. He just missed the net or it was getting blocked in the second two periods. So that one you got kind of screwed out of. Didn't get a shot in the second or third. But then the Rangers minus a goal and a half because they were fired up over this. So it, it Just easy, easy fucking money there, boys. Keep an eye on any of these big-name players that get traded. Bet their fucking props in their debut with their new team because everyone's going to be looking to set them up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They 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 will 100% be looking to set people up. Um, dude, but can we just talk about the Rangers, like, as a whole and how they're looking right now in the division? I mean, they're looking like fucking world beaters in the division and in just the Eastern Conference in general. Uh, 31 at 14 and 8, sitting third right now in the Metro, seventh in the league, creeping their way back up. Um, I mean, and they're on a five-game win streak, seven-game point streak. 24 and 3 since December 5th. Um guys, Aaron, you want to touch on their power play like the PK Dude, like It's 24 and 3. That's insane. What a fucking run these guys have been on. And part of that is because of their power play Nate. So, their power play is 25.3% during that span, which is very good. I mean, that'd be I remember three or four years ago, that would have led the league in power play percentage. Now you got Edmonton clicking at like a third of the time they're scoring on their power play. But, you know. Edmonton's a cheat code. Edmonton is a cheat code. Yeah. They are they are out there, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of otherworldly there. So we're not going to compare them to them. But that's still very good. It's just gotten a lot better with Tarasenko coming in, too. That gives him another trigger man on the opposite wall of Zabanajad. And now their PK has also been pretty decent not world beating but good a fuck enough boys 82.8 percent on the penalty kill so they're getting it done on special teams they're getting it done on five on five with that heavy cycle and big four check that uh, gerard gallant has instilled there i really like the rangers here and uh, they were called frauds all year last year because shesterkin was propping them up he's been good this year but he hasn't been that crazy elite world beating goalie that we saw last year and they're still racking up win totals like this he doesn't need to be. Exactly. This team this team is better. Yeah. That that's what I'm saying. Like they're they've got yeah. like the grassroots good team here now. They're not just getting inflated by a hot goalie. Like they're they're doing a lot of things well. I agree hundred percent there. Um and and you know I'm just curious, guys, and anybody could jump in here. I personally don't see anything they need to address now that they have Tarasenko, but do they have any real weaknesses? Like I think that I think if you can get out of the East, you can win the. I mean, if you get out of the East, you may damn well win the cup. But if you can make it through the East, at least to the conference final, which to me, which they did last year, like, outside of like Dallas, in reality, might be the cup final. It's kind of like the AFC versus the NFC right now. Yeah. Can this Rangers team win the Stanley Cup with the team they have right now, or do they need to make another addition before deadline? I mean, just like any year, you need to have some breaks go your way in the playoffs to make it all the way there, but I really like their construction. The only thing I would maybe address is adding another kind of utility guy, somebody who can play in the top six if he needs to due to injury or something, but also is okay with a lower in the lineup role. Somebody like, oh, I don't know, maybe a Max Domi who's going to be on the trade block in Chicago. 
if somebody, that's a good challenge. If somebody eats some salary there, because he he brings a lot of fire. He's got enough skill to keep pace with those top of the lineup guys for a limited amount of time, and he can play lower in the lineup too. Um, right now they've got Jimmy VC playing wing on their second line. He's been more productive this year than anyone expected. That was a very astute signing by Chris Drury to bring him back to New York. But I think ideally you want him kind of down lower in the lineup and you want to have someone with a little bit more pizzazz going around in that top six. Yeah, I agree. Jimmy Vesey's a good player, but he's a third liner at best. I, I 100% agree with you there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy Vesey, if, if, if they can win a cup, they need a line like the HBK line that uh, – that, that the Penguins had. If you have Phil Kessel on your third line, you can win a Stanley Cup. You know so they need, they... what reminds me of the HBK line? What? The fucking kid line, boys. Capo Caco, Philip Heedle, Alexi Lafreniere. They were hot in the playoffs Who's last year. What's up? Who's babysitting them? Who's babysitting Dude, those guys? They don't need no fucking babysitter, man. They're running the show themselves. These boys are playing off each other. And uh, I was listening to an interview earlier today with a Rangers beat writer. He brought up a really good point because Gerard Gallant likes to blend up his lines a little bit. We've seen these guys spend some shifts with the higher lineup guys, kind of bouncing around a little. It seems like whenever those three play together, they play so much more aggressively. They're so much more prone to take the space given to them, try and make plays, try and create things on their own. Because when you bump like a guy like Heedle or Lafreniere up to play with Panarin and Zibanejad, they almost get it in their head like they need to defer to those stars a little more. They're they're kind of more playing yeah. a support role there. But when they play together, they just feed off each other. They know that like it's on all three of them to get the shit done, and they play with way more energy and a little bit more confidence, I think, too. It's, it's very liberating. I agree. Nate, is there anything that you would do if you're the Rangers? Would you sit tight? Is there, like, I, mean, I, got, I got nothing more to say after. I think Aaron perfectly explained it, man. I, I really do. And, and honestly, Phil, I think, uh, you know, just a nice little segue here from one team that's got to do some line shaking around to a team that's really got to do some line shifting. That the, the, New Jersey fucking, the New Jersey fucking Devils, dude. And guess, and guess who they're paired with in the first round if it ended right now? The New York Rangers. Perfect segue, boys. Let's Nate get it. Let's tell, tell fucking, us about the fucking Devils, boys. So first of all, the Devils right now currently is sitting at 35, 13, and 5. They're second in the Metro, 75 total points, sorry. Second in the Metro, third in the league. But they got to buckle down right now to stay ahead of the Rangers because they've got Jack Hughes out week, you know, a kind of week to week with an upper body injury. Um, you know, he left the, he left the ice in the middle of practice last Wednesday. Lindy Ruff said it's, or, you know, expected Hughes recovery to be on the shorter end of it, um, regarding that week to week timetable. But, you know, Hughes leads the devils in goals, 35 points, 60, or, uh, or leads them goals 30 with 35 points, 67 and ice time among the forwards at 20 minutes, 10 seconds a game. Um, Aaron Kenny or Phil? One of you guys want to talk about who they got to start shaking things around with. I got you here, and I wanted to bring up a point, too, about Jack Hughes. I was watching a highlight the other – it was like last month. Jack Hughes finished a game playing seven minutes and 50 seconds of eight minutes. I saw that shit, dude. Yeah. The longest shift in NHL history. It's not okay. You, you got to protect your assets. That's not that's, – that's okay in playoffs. 
but that also is not okay right now dude <laughs> at the end of like once you get two or three minutes into a shift you are not effective i don't care who the fuck you are oh, you're gas man gassed. yeah that's like you know jack hughes is a very good player but he's got to learn a little bit you know you can't do it all yourself you've got a good deep team go back to the fucking bench get some fresh legs out there you're not going to be able to do as much at 50% of your energy as fucking Nico Heischer is going to be able to do coming off the bench fresh. Selfish fucking hockey, yeah. boys. Selfish um, fucking hockey. That being said, though, Lindy Ruff, definitely Jack Adams, right? I mean... Right now, as long as he doesn't, yeah. as long as he doesn't fuck this up, you know like, I mean? like having Jack Hughes play seven been, minutes. I, yeah, I got like, one I mean, name that I the think... The had no expectations. I, no expectations coming I got another one, boys, that I think might have to uh, – I think he's going to steal it from poor old Lindy. Lindy Ruff is pretty deserving, I got to say. But there's mm-hmm. a man on the East Coast as well who is making his fucking comeback tour in his first season behind this bench with a team that a lot of people thought were down and out, dead, old, fucking decrepit. Now they're leading the league, and that's Jim Montgomery with the Boston Bruins. Uh, I don't know so, about that. The team is so loaded, though. I don't know about that, but this one was going to going to be anywhere near. I, I had him missing the playoffs. I think one of you guys might have, too. I did, yeah. Absolutely, I did, but okay, that but doesn't. They, but they had the roster records. in place. They had the roster in place. It's this true. team, the, the the Devils do not have the roster. They shouldn't, for the roster they have, they should not be this good. Two stats, two stats, and this is where I think. It'll be fun for the debate, by the way. Once again, at Beerly Hockey, let us know. The Devils are the fastest. The 20 road wins in a season, 26 games ever. But the Bruins are the fastest to 40 wins overall in 53 games. Both incredibly impressive statistics in their own right. And I think that is a fun, I guess, February bar to set as who do you think will win the Jack Adams guys? Once again, go at Beerly Hockey on Twitter. Check it out. Follow us on Instagram at Beerly Sports. Please go check out our merch store on there as well. And I bring that up because we are in the works now with a new t-shirt. Stay tuned for the mock-up of that as well. It'll be fun. Here's the hint. It might be a little chaotic. Hell yeah. So, back back to the New Jersey Devils. Um, they do need some help and... I think they're I mean, obviously they're sitting at seventy five points with the third best team in the league points wise. Um, it's a shame they're in the same. You know, if they were in the Atlantic, you know, with the Bruins they'd be screwed. They're screwed sitting behind the Hurricanes. But either way, any of these guys in the West would be fucking tearing shit up. Oh my god! It, exactly. If they were in the Central or the Pacific, they'd be crushed. They probably have five more points than they do now. Um, that being said, give me fuel, give me fire, bring me Timo fucking Meyer. Am I right, boys? Am I right, boys? Hell yeah, dude. That is a beautiful fucking statement. I'm very sad that he will not be a shark for very much longer, but I think he's going to the Devils, dude. I I really think it's probably gonna happen. It's it's. I don't like to see it. I don't like to say it, but I think it's it's probably inevitable. They had better just not fucking fleece Mike Greer like the Hurricanes did on that Brent Burns trade. Is all I have to say. Yeah. Um. But, dude, I, I think we just got to dive in a little bit here to what's going, you know, what's going on with these lines with Jack Hughes being out a little bit. 
Um, so you right now you've got Nico Heischer slotting in between Andre Pilat and Jesper Bratt on the top line. Um, Eric Halla bumping up to the second center. Jesper Boquist bumping up to center three. Um, the Devils are two and one, two one and zero oh in Hughes's absence, but their wins are against you know a tanking Columbus with the goal in the last second, one point four seconds, and it's a Seattle team that's really been kind of falling off as of late. Um, so it's definitely going to be a tough stretch with the game with you know in these next games against Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, L.A. And Colorado over the next two weeks. Um, Hopefully, God, Jack Hughes what comes you, back sooner than later. But if he's out for all those games, man, I think they're in for a tough run. For sure. Yeah, I mean, if they can go out and get a team on Meyer, they can stay afloat. If Jack Hughes needs to miss a couple weeks, but they're going to really need Jack Hughes back and healthy and rested. Yeah, he can't yeah. be running seven minutes a night or seven minute shifts to end the game. No. So that is, that's, that's ridiculous. But, guys, let's go from the East Coast to the West Coast, shall we? One of those teams. Speaking, of, Seattle, speaking, of, that reeling, speaking of that reeling Seattle team. Yeah, let's go to Seattle where, uh, you know, they um, about five seconds after an impressive eight-game winning streak, they are four, six, and two sets, boys. Uh, they've been – I don't want to sound rude here, but they've been really shitting the bed out in Seattle. And they're. I think they're kind of a pendulum right now and they're coming back down to the center. And we're really going to find out who they are in the next three to four weeks. And before we hop into, um, you know, a little more statistical analysis on the Kraken, which I'm sure Aaron will love to do, I want to ask you guys, I made fun of it last week, and I will eat fucking crow because they do have the cap space. Are they going to make a big play, Patrick Kane? Well, see, here's the big, and here's – Here's a key to why they've been kind of skidding a little bit. Um, Andre Burakovsky goes on injured reserve uh, last, what was it, last Friday. He's expected to be out. You know, it's a lower body, expected to not be long, but you miss that guy for a couple games, that's a key offensive piece for you. Um, but I think this would... Uh, I believe so, yeah. Um, but either way, I think, yeah, if this... if, if if there were ever a time for this team to make a move, it gives this team some energy for the front office to make a move, give this team some energy, I think it'd be now to go for Patrick Kane. If he agrees to go there, though, that's the question. If yeah, that's he true. To go there. That's, so, Phil, you were talking about him shit in the bed. I mean, this is kind of just the timeline of anyone who spends enough of their life in a crack house, right? It's all well and good at the beginning. You're flying high, you're scoring, you're fucking loving life. Next thing you know, you're shit in the bed. That's what crack will do to you, boys. Oh my god, that was a beautiful analogy right there, my Hey, friend. by the way, um, Burakovsky's their third highest scorer, you know, but tied behind or you know behind just Jordan Eberle and Vince Dunn, who both have forty. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I feel like he was maybe before he got hurt. Those guys have had some time to make up some racetrack on him. Potentially. Yeah. I don't know. I might just yeah. be pulling that out of my ass. I got no clue. No, I mean, that's you know, that's that's entirely fair. Um, yeah, I mean, but speaking of their scoring, guys, they have 29 goals the last 12 games. I mean, that's, that's not going to get it done, boys. It's yeah, not going to get the job done. It is dried up. It's fucking... 
terrible with the scoring lately. And you know what else is not too great is the fucking goals allowed. So over that, oh yeah, yeah, over that same stretch, scoring twenty nine goals, they've given up forty goals over that span, averaging two point four one goals per night, giving up three point three three goals per night, and a lot of that has to do with Martin Jones turning back into a fucking pumpkin. Like he's he's not that pretty little carriage that Cinderella took to the ball anymore. He's he's fallen off a cliff. He's two four zero in his last six starts. 874 save percentage. Fucking ouch, boys. And his goals against average is even higher than the rest of the teams. 3.66 goals against per game. Real tough sledding. I like Martin Jones a lot, man. He's like a stand-up guy. He's technically sound, but he doesn't really play with a lot of flow. He he just kind of goes through these stretches, man. It's sad to watch. It's it's hard. Man, you... You really wish you could have seen Chris Drieger go right now for this team because, man, that would have been fucking incredible to see him go right now. And, or or Grubauer. They have Grubauer, don't they? Well, like, that's the thing here. So we got Martin Jones falling off, and there could not be a better time for Philip Grubauer to start finding his game again. He's starting to look like Colorado Grubauer again, boys. So... That's what they need. He he came back from that injury at the beginning of the season. It's taken him a little while to hit the ground running, but he's slowly crawling back. His save percentage over his the last same span. So we're we're just talking about these twelve games where they're four, six, and two. The team's not doing great. He's got half the starts there, six starts. Nine thirty three save percentage over that span. So tearing it up. Absolutely tearing it up. But since That's great A. Great A. Since the team can't fucking score, though, he's only 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. But he's started the last two games. It looks like he's pretty much winning the starting job back. And if he keeps this play up, I mean, I, I think he's going to really get the main workload down the stretch, and this team will start to find its footing again. But they just... God, you know, if, only, if only you drafted a guy that, you know, was a real facilitator in the center and could have made a lot of passes, scored some goals, and... But shit, you really wanted that fucking guy to be a firebird down in Simi Valley. Yeah. The real bros, the real, no, Coachella Valley. Coachella, Coachella Valley, sorry. Whatever. Yeah. Coachella Valley firebirds, let's go. He's down there trying to fight his friend's football. kids because they're looking at him funny. Um, Let's go, and by the way, the Kraken, the Kraken right now, that's a, that's a story for a different time. Yeah, the Kraken right now uh, are only a point ahead on Edmonton. They've played the same amount of games. And, guys, Edmonton is steaming up here. Um, let's hop down to them, shall we? They are going the other way, and I think they'll be in the uh, third slot here by the end of the night. 9-1-2 uh, and two in the last 12. They have the best power play on planet Earth. Um, yeah, I mean, they were, like, sitting a wild card, too, for a long time. But now they're here. Nugent Hopkins is having a resurgence after playing for 400 head coaches in his career there. Uh, five goals, 10 apples, 15 points, um, you know, in his last 12 games. Evander Kane, c- come back from the flail wrist, six points in eight games since coming back. They're getting contributions, though, from a lot of random dudes, Aaron. Finally, oh, dude. Dude. What they've needed is these random dudes to contribute. This has been our knock on Edmonton all year, and it's the reason we've roasted them. And they're finally getting some scoring from the bottom six. We're still seeing McDavid and Dreisaitl carry the main heavy part of the load. Zach Hyman's tearing it up, too. Now Nugent Hopkins is really going. He's on pace, I think, for 100 points. Evander Kane's back. But now we've got Ryan McLeod. He's got seven points over those 12 games. 
Warren Fogle, five points over those 12 games. We got a couple other bottom six guys that are chipping in. This is exactly what they need. We need those bottom six guys to just at least hang even with the people they're playing against. That's all you fucking need. Even if they just get well, outplayed a little that. bit, as long as they're not getting absolutely caved in when McDavid and Drysaddle aren't on the ice, that's all you fucking need from these guys. Well, you need that, and then you need the guy between the pipes that you're paying $5.5 million a season to look like he's worth $5.5 fucking million a season. Yes, and, dear God, Jack Gamble's finally starting to look like a $5.5 million man. Uh, he's won eight starts in a row, nine of his last ten, and 917 save percentage. Could be better, but it's still uh, like a, you know, a soft grade A. Yeah. And uh, 2.37 goals allowed during the win streak. Everybody That's... in the league is kind of a soft grade A right now, though, if we're being honest. Unless you're Linus Olmark, you're not cracking 920 save percentage this year. It's, all the save percentages are down, and it's it's hard to figure out why. But, I mean, he's, he's bang average as a goaltender, and that is all Edmonton needs if the bottom of the lineup is contributing a little bit and if McDavid and Dreisaitl are going. That's, that's really like, the problem. Like, at the worst. Like, at worst. Like at worst, really, like if Jack if Jack Campbell were an eight an eighty nine and eighty eight percent, I still wouldn't hate that because that would might that might get the job done for the fuck for the Oilers. It's what they said on the soda pod, boys. If if they give up three or less a night, they're gonna score four. Yeah. Well, so yep. and you know Jack you, Campbell he's gotta be average. Yeah. And Jack Campbell really, like, he came from a good situation in Toronto to a pissed off polarizing market that's been through a million head coaches and can't play fucking defense. What the fuck did we think was going to happen? It was going to take him a little bit to adjust. 100%. Yeah, it's not even a question, but guys, I think the resurgence of Jack Campbell is good. We're here. We want spicy here at Beerly Hockey. And right now, fire up the rumor mill, boys. Eric Carlson having the year of his life is now rumored to be heading to Edmonton and rumors, just big time rumors. That being said, uh, have, has Edmonton learned nothing? And I have a little more mystery place. I think he'd be a little bit of a better fit, but I want to hear what you guys, you know, what you guys are thinking about EK 65 going, going to Edmonton. Well, I think I said, this, I think I said this a while ago on an episode and I'll say it again. Edmonton is just dumb enough to make these moves to, and to not have learned from their previous mistakes. That's all I'll say. All I say is I hope they find a way to make it happen because I fucking love chaos, boys, and that is what's going to happen if you get this motherfucker up there. They're going to lose fucking hey, eight to hey, seven hey, every yeah. goddamn night. Eric Carlson can't fucking defend. He's great at breaking the puck out. He's great at fucking driving offense. He's great at doing everything the Oilers are already good at. He can't do the one thing they fucking need. He gets fucking turnstiled at his own blue line every time he tries to track a rush into his own zone. Like, what are you thinking? You stupid fucks. Because they're just dumb enough to not learn from their previous mistakes. I'm telling you, that's just all it is with Edmonton. It's a front office that doesn't learn. It's an ownership group that puts up with mediocre GMs. And then just, and what result do you get? Mediocre fucking play out on the ice. And then you lose your star player here in a couple years. You know what their top four is going to look like if they do that? 
You got fucking Darnell Nurse and Eric Carlson playing right in front of Tyson Berry and Evan Bouchard. Not a fucking <laughs> one defender in any of that top four. Guys, this is why I think there is a team that better fits Eric Carlson, and I think they should make the move. Because if they're going to send him to a team in the West, don't send him to Edmonton. That's asinine. I, so I mean, if I'm San Jose, I'm taking that all day because you know they're going to overpay for him. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I like a team whose leading defenseman has 40 points, but only seven of those are goals. Other than that, their next leading defense, you know, defenseman in points is 16 points. They get a lot of great offense, and they have a a goaltender who is com- now competing with Olmark. I think we kind of gave Olmark the best, uh, maybe a little prematurely, uh, but his numbers were absolutely, you know, fair. You know, it was warranted to do that. This guy may fuck around and win the Vesna, and I want to know how you guys feel about Eric Carlson going to the Dallas Stars. Jesus. That was a fucking setup, and I thought you were going to say fucking Boston the whole yeah, time. What the hell? Allmark, I'm like, where the fuck are we going with Yeah, that? like, no, Allmark, like, Jake, like Jake Ottinger. Jake Ottinger is competing with Allmark now. For oh, the my Vesta. God. Like, oh, you God. got me fucking primed. Just fucking give it to me already. God. Like, <laughs> buddy, I don't want to blow my load instantly. I have to have a nice, strong buildup. Oh, and Jesus. It all makes sense. He's getting has 40 points, but 33 of them are apples. And the rest of their def- their, their decor really doesn't put up points. And he gets to play in front of a great Tendi in Jake Ottinger. Wouldn't that make sense? It does that make sense. That would not make fucking sense. It would, but the fucking numbies, bro. The numbers do not the match. Numbies don't, the numbies, numbies don't lie. Who, where are they finding the cap space for this man? Not just this year. But for the next three years on his contract, even if San Jose eats half of that cap, you're still paying this guy over $5 million per season for the next multiple years. And they've got Rupe Hintz coming up as RFA. Or no, sorry, they just re-signed Rupe Hintz to $8 million. You've got Jason Robertson locked up at nine. You got Jamie Benn at nine. You got fucking Tyler Sagan raking in a bunch of dough. Or sorry, Jason Robertson. I'll tell you what, though. You know who else? You know who else is... You know who else is in nice position in the West and the numbies might look good for him is Winnipeg. Ooh. Ooh. You know who pair, else? Pair him with Josh Murphy. Yeah, you know who the else? Numbies, the the numbies, numbies might look good. You know who else those numbies might work for, Nate? A team we just numbies. talked about not being able to fucking score is the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Buddy. 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 Yeah, yeah, but you're going to go out. You you, you, you can't score and you're going to go out and get, a, I mean, I know he's scoring at a ridiculous rate, but you're going to go get a D-man for it? A D-man who's on pace for 100 points. You guys, so now, now you'll have two D-men that are just lighting it the fuck up. You'll have Vince Dunn and Eric Carlson. Carlson and Dunn are your top line. Carlson has No, been, no. Dunn Dun Dun being your second pairing. Carlson okay. has been doing more with less up front. I mean, can you imagine if he has, like, a good team around him that he can pass that puck up to and play off of? Fucking Matty Myers getting set up by Eric Carlson. Oh. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. 
I mean, dude, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of other places, places that make more sense for Eric Carlson than fucking Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really glad we walked down this rabbit hole, though, guys. That's This has been a nice little fun exercise on the EK65 trade rumors. Yeah, this, this was, was a good, good time. Um, but staying in the Pacific just for another second here, we were talking about how Seattle led the Pacific for about five seconds here before they hit the slump. There are three points separating the top four teams in the Pacific right now. There mm-hmm. are the Oilers here. Then you got Seattle. Then you got L.A., then you got fucking Vegas. L.A. Like, LA. You got one point between each of those fucking teams. If Edmonton wins like three more games, they could be leading this. It's going to be a complete knockout, drag down fight to the end of this fucking season in the Pacific, boys. By the way, the Kings have five. Sorry, five on five goals since January 1st. They have 21. It's last in the league by a long shot. Yeah. But so still, I think I think the LA, LA Kings might be going out and looking for a little help. I think they will. I I really think they're going to be looking for some help at the trade deadline. Even still, without scoring much five on five boys, they're five one and one in their last seven. Like yeah, everyone in the Pacific is just projecting well, except for Seattle, and they're you know they could still turn it around. I, I'm not counting them out yet, especially with uh, Grubauer playing better. It's just it's crazy. The, yeah. the Pacific was like the laughing stock division, and now they're it's going to be really competitive down the stretch. Hundred percent. It's going to be fun to watch too. And I I don't know about you guys. I love first round playoffs. Those late night Western games because they're always a goner. Oh yeah. Like you get like six five sharks were down five one and they got a five minute penalty and they're coming back against a. The Vegas Golden Knights, oh my god, and like, there's so much controversy and crazy shit happens for hashtag playoffs after dark that... I've got a story about that game. It's that. So that that game seven, the Sharks, everyone forgets because they always focus on the game seven, the Sharks battled back from being down 3-1 in that series, and most of it Mm -hmm. was because of Martin Jones, believe it or not. That dude turned in the fucking series of his life. He had, like, a 45-save game in one of them. It went to overtime. Like, he he just turned in a hell of a series. But Game 7, the Sharks are down by a lot at the end of the fucking game. I'm fucking sitting there up late watching this, just, like, about to shut it off and go to bed. And my roommate gets home from his late-night shift. It's, like, 12.30. I'm like, buddy, I'm just, like, I'm done. I'm going to bed. He's like, oh, no, they're going to come back. It was fucking... I think it was 4-1 at this point. He's like, they're going to come back. I was like, no, they're fucking not. As soon as he said that, Joe Pavelski gets fucking cross-checked to the ice, bleeds out of his head, five-minute major. They score four fucking goals on that five-minute major and then go on to win in overtime. Like, just, I've never seen you're, a you're like that. No, dude, I, I don't know. I, we lost our fucking shit, dude. It, it was insane. I've, I've never seen a more insane comeback in my life. And the fact that he called that shit before it happened, it was, and he had, like, just walked in the door blind as to how the game had gone, it was just yeah. insane. Insane. It's hilarious, dude. Like, plus, yeah, man, the, dude, the West is just wild. Like, Calgary and Edmonton playing games like 9-6. Oh, my God. They're like, what, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, crazy shit out there. You know, and then they'll turn around and 2-1 the next night, and, yeah, you never know what's going to happen, but... Yeah, yeah, man, man I'm, I'm just, just, you know, 
I had to give it a shout out because I feel like a lot of our East Coast listeners, I'm sure they stay up and watch it. This is all of us encouraging you to stay up and watch it because even if you fall asleep on the couch, you know, to the game, man, that it's the West is just so fun. It's great. It's awesome. Love falling asleep to hockey. Absolutely. So, uh, speaking of teams coming back, Winnipeg, dude, has not said die Ooh. all fucking year. Am I right? Oh, dude. Or am I right? God, dude. And, and honestly, man, I, I, I gotta, gotta, I gotta, gotta just jump. So, Aaron, just talk about them, but guys, I gotta jump in on something here with them. Just go ahead. Take your points. I, I had no points. I was opening the floor to you boys. All right. Uh, so, let's just, we'll start off. Right now, they're sitting two points behind Dallas and second place in the Central. Eight points clear of third, being the Avalanche and... and Josh Morrissey is your second highest scorer. He's got 54 points in 53 games, 11 goals, 45 assists. Um, your leading scorer, Kyle Connor, is only making $5 million a year. It's a $7.1 million cap hit. He's got, in 54 games, 24 goals, 37 assists, 61 points. Going for game player, man. Kyle Connor. Fucking love Kyle Connor so much, dude. Is he the most? Is he the most underrated player in the league? He's such a fucking beauty, dude. Yeah, he very well might be. Very well might be, but I mean, and this this team's getting a lot of. I mean, Pierre Luc Dubois got fifty three points this year. Shifley's got forty eight. Wheeler's got forty one. Then there's a drop. You know, Cole Perfetti twenty nine. Lauer Adam Lowry twenty five. Neil Plonk twenty two. And they're just. I mean, it, they need help, man. I think they need some help, and I think it could. Co- I think there's another one that could come in the form of a a Patrick Kane, or maybe oh, I know, or maybe he's not going to Winnipeg, or maybe he's not, not going to go to Winnipeg. But man, it'd be fun, dude. Or maybe a Timo Meyer. If if he gets the call, <sighs> ask him to waive his no trade to Winnipeg. He is fucking burning the United Center to the ground. He's going out with a vengeance. Oh, dude. He's like oh, he's also he's also burning Toronto to the ground. Toronto wants him right now too. Dude, yeah, yeah. They've they've been in the rumor mill too. There's a lot of guys that are kind of sparking up out of the mix here now that uh, the Rangers are out of the running. I still think he's a great it's fit great. in Dallas. I love the idea of him going to Dallas. Essentially, what I, essentially, but. Just to kind of culminate what I was making, the point I was making is the Winnipeg Jets are going to need some help, and they're going to need. And I, I don't know where I was going to ask you guys where you think it comes from, but I think they need some help in order to, you know, solidify their spot in the playoff. Dude, I don't know. They're like, I I agree they're going to be looking to add, but I really like the way they've played. I mean they they just like they keep shit close. They score when they need to. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Connor Hellebuck's having a hell of a year. I I like the way they're playing, man. I think they're they're not gonna be better than Dallas. I don't think they end up as like contention status. But no. I unless Colorado gets really healthy really quick and turns shit around, I think they're locked in at number two. You think so? I don't know, man. I got Colorado, I Colorado's just a team I can see making a late push that last, you know, March or you know, kind of here March, April. I can if, see it happening if they get healthy. They just they gotta get healthy, bro. Like Connor Hellebuck right now. We were talking about save percentages being down nine twenty four, dude. Nine twenty four, goals saved above Jeez. average twenty three point seven. 
he's he's looking great, man. He's looking very, very good. There's a Vesna contender. He'd be a Vesna contender too if it wasn't for Allmark. Dude, I really think it's him, Ottinger, and Allmark. I don't see anyone else coming out of the woodwork. No. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. And I honestly, guys, I've been trying to like scour. Sorokin's maybe the only other one I can think of. Just like putting up the numbers he has with the dog shit roster in front of him. What I was trying to do is I was like scouring like the Canadians roster. Like who can they go get them? Now, here's kind of a dark horse one for what I'm not going to sign. Again, we're back here on this train. Dylan Larkin, man. That'd be a fun one. Kyle Connor up there fucking around. Absolutely. Yeah, a couple of be a fun boys. One. A couple of University of Michigan boys up in Winnipeg. Absolutely. Um, just a fun thought I had there. I don't know. Yeah. I can get down with that. I can get down with that, too. Hell, maybe Why he would not, sign right? there. Who the hell knows? They throw enough at him. I mean, bro, it, it's true. I mean... Winnipeg's such an interesting location, too, because, like, you really do have to... I mean, Canadian markets, so they'll love you forever if you do anything. It, it's so small. Dude, yeah, it really is. is it small? Market. We've, we've already harped on this, man. Like, people, It's Canadian small. People of Winnipeg are amazing, but it's just so dark and cold all the time up there, bro. It's so dark and cold. It's like you're getting seasonal depression year-round in that place. <laughs> that's yeah i mean you're basically a newfie if you're, you're in winnipeg you're getting like three hours of daylight every day in the winter time in season when you're living there you know how many people in winnipeg are probably just offended by calling them basically newfies yeah, well we, we love winnipeg. Torsi, we we love all winnipeg, you people you up there you're great salt yeah your if you in winnipeg if you got an issue with me citizens of winnipeg at me Barely Nate. Oh, you could come down and fight him, but you don't have a fucking airport, do you? Probably not. Nope. That's it's a hot sled track. Love you, Winnipeg. The Central Division boys. You see that crazy game on Saturday night? Five Blues over the Yotes in overtime. Dude, I can't say that I did. I I I can't say that that was on my watch list. I saw the well, highlights. They were definitely not on the watch list, that one. But I did watch it. It wasn't on my watch list. It wasn't on mine either. I just wanted to know if anybody else, like, tuned in. It's the idea of that, because I was, like, watching the extended highlights, and I was like, dude, this game was an absolute gong show. This further proves, number one, Arizona getting bumped to the Central Pacific and having to fly to, like, Winnipeg for divisional games is brutal. And yep. uh, count. Batman can say whatever he wants, but the countdown to Houston is on, boys. It's on. Nah, I, dude, I don't think so. so He's he is staking his fucking entire career on them staying in Arizona. Until Bettman's out as commissioner, they're going to be in Arizona. I'm just I'm so against I'm so against Houston having an NHL team. Well, I'm, I'm just team, I'm, I don't care about that. I no, just, I'm I'm not. I don't think I, I. I'm sorry. I just can't get down with Houston. I know they're the fourth biggest U.S. market. But I just cannot get down with them having a hockey team. That's not a hockey town to me. Prove to me that you're a hockey town before I, you, we give you a team. But the same thing about Nashville. And Dallas. But the same thing about Los Angeles. Who said the same thing about Dallas. Speaking of Dallas, by the way, Patrick Kane there is great. 
Side out. This is not Brett Hall comparisons. That's what he's going to get if he goes. Um, I've been to a game in Los Angeles. They played Chicago. I will say that the atmosphere was great. Fans know their shit. We were drinking micheladas, and they had, like, seaweed wraps in there, so very L- L.A., but fans knew their shit. The problem with L.A. as a hockey market is they play in .com arena now for how much longer, but the Staples Center. It's the fucking Staples Center. Get out of here with that crypto bullshit. As building has no soul. The people make the building. The barn, no soul. Dude, you know what has no soul is that fucking statue they erected of Dustin Brown. Holy Christ on a pike, dude. Did you see that thing's face? Oh, my God. Hey, like, it, literally reminiscent of the fucking Ronaldo statue, dude. dude <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of fucking comparisons. To th- it looks like the fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, man. It looks nothing like Dustin Brown. No, they, they did him so fucking dirty. Bear it down. Dude, cool little shout-out, though. Um, fuck, I forget who it was. There was a Kings player that scored four goals that night on Dustin Brown uh, statue night, and the last player for the Kings to score four goals was actually Dustin Brown. Let me see if I can find this here real quick. You, guys, you know what, you dude? Just to fill some airtime real quick, going back to my point, I would rather... I would rather see two teams in Minnesota than have a team in Houston. I, I would rather start calling the Minnesota teams Minneapolis and St. Paul than rather Twin City, than give Twin Houston teams. a team. Adrian Kempe, Twin Cities Twin Team. Adrian Kempe pumped in four goals, three of them in the second period, one in the third on that night as a tribute to Dustin Brown, the last Kings player to score four goals in a game. So on Dustin Brown's night to maybe pay him back a little bit for that fucking debacle of a statue they made for him. So just want to throw that little tidbit in there. I'd rather give, I'd rather give Juno, Alaska a team than give Houston a team. I don't even want to think about that travel and the expenses there, Nate. Uh, the Kings also signed Michael Anderson, eight years, 33 million, 4.125 AAV on their blue line. So they're locking, locking young guys up. Um, back to the topic of relocation, I guess. Not right. When in Rome, or when in Quebec City, who I think would be a great place to put a team. And you can move. You can move the Yotes to Quebec City. That's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm in. I'm in on that. Conference balance, boys. The They're not going to put another team in the East and take one from the West. That's the oh, only well, thing. And if that poses another question, you put in the West. Nashville, so the West, if you put well, Nashville's in, already West. Yeah, it's, it's Columbus, Detroit, or Ottawa. Really? I mean, Columbus and Detroit were already over there once. Oh, that's I, wild. Hey, I'm not. Neither of them. They would have Columbus. Teams, they would have put Columbus in the Central. I'm all for it. Well, now back in the day, bro, that was a meat grinder. I, yeah, I don't know. I really like the kind of little rivalries we got going a little bit here with the Rangers and. You know, there, there's something budding a little bit with the Penguins. I, I like Columbus in the East. They feel like an Eastern team to me. We're not the fucking West. We're technically considered the Midwest, but we're still on the Eastern half of the country. Fair. I just, I like throwing shit out there. I mean, Kansas City had a team at one point. I'm sure they'd love to have a team back. <laughs> Yo, it's it, I think City. it'd be, 
Oh, I could get down with a Kansas City team. I'd hate them, but I could get down with it. <laughs> I was going to say, bro, you're just <laughs> shitting all over the Chiefs. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I could get down with them be- with them having a team, but I'd still shit on them. I don't know. I don't know where my, I don't know where my hatred came from with Kansas City. I don't know what my problem is with you, but I just got one. I think Portland would definitely love a hockey team too. Yeah, they would. That'd be yeah, that'd be a good one. An arena. I just feel like Portland would up them, bring them in. Say a lot of mean things about Portland. Uh, I think you, I think you could give. I think honestly, you could add a fourth California team and throw one in San Fran. But uh, given him, but like the Sharks, pretty much are San Fran though. Oh, it's a it's a hike to get from San Jose to San Francisco. That's where they played their home stadium series game. Was in the 49ers stadium. It's not. Yeah, but again, it's it, it's it's it, uh, with California traffic, dude. You're it's a while. Well, yeah, with uh, okay. You just, you, California, you're man. Jump in your fucking helicopter to go over there, man. If you live there, you're really they have LA. Place. We hold on. We have LA and Anaheim. Yeah, that's true too. They're All right, forty miles apart. Are we, yeah, are we done uh, just ripping the fucking Yotes fans out of their own their new <laughs> no? We can go all day. What, I, I swear, as soon as they break ground on that new arena, they're fucking anchored there. There's no chance they move after that. The Yotes fans get so much of a tire pump from Paul Bissonette. Like, someone has to tear him down a little bit, you know? Absolutely. They, they deserve all the tire pumps for being fans of that franchise for so long. Let's be honest. That's that's fair. And hockey is the most transplant sport. You know, move somewhere else. And if they have a team, so many people don't have a hockey team growing up that why not, right? Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of a debate for us tonight. Uh, and very popular in the NHL right now seen obviously the Jacob Chitrin and sorry uh go on now Vladislav Vladislav Gavrikov's getting the same thing and how long trying to sound scatterbrained but how long healthy scratch a player I know they're skating and participating in team activities that are playing games how would you healthy scratch a guy before it's it's too long so uh... Go ahead, Nate. Team looking at buying the asset. On to your concern about rust. Uh, I mean, it, it depends. We can look at it in a term in a term of weeks. We can look at it in terms of games. Um, if I'm looking at it in terms of weeks, if that guy has sat out for more than two, I'm I'm starting to say, hold up, buddy. I'm not going to throw you right back into the mix here. Um. Yeah, that'd be. I think two weeks is my max. If we're talking about trade Aaron. deadline acquisitions, I don't give a flying fuck how long the guy sits out. I'm sorry, I don't. It's you've got over a month before the fucking playoffs hit. He's had plenty of rest. You see guys that are out for months with injuries that take a little bit to get going, but they're always good in like a month or so, back to their own groove as long as they battle through whatever. Like as long as they're fully healed. If these guys aren't injured at all, they're just resting, they're still practicing, it might take them a couple games to get back up to speed. They've got to adjust to some new systems and stuff. They've got to kind of get their legs under them again. But by the time the playoffs hit, which, let's be honest, if you're selling a bunch of assets to bring in a guy to bolster your lineup for the playoffs, you know you're fucking making them. You're not depending on this guy to come in and immediately save your season. 
you got plenty of fucking racetrack for this guy to get back up to speed, and he's going to have time to work out any little nagging injuries. Because let's be honest, this deep in the season, everybody's fighting something. Something's sore. Something's kind of wearing on you. I am hyped as hell that this guy's fresh. He's going to be hungry to get out there and get ready to go. And he's going to have plenty of time to get acclimated and get back into fucking playoff mode before the playoffs hit. Not a concern at all for me. So we have two weeks, not a concern at all. Overarching opinion is how healthy, yeah, how healthy is the guy? But number two, chemistry does he need to have? D-man, is he a center? Is he a winger? Is he attendee? Attendee, I really wouldn't care if it was a month. Oh, yeah, no. Attendee, yeah, attendee 100%. Like, the, the longer that guy's Honestly, well, I don't know. I got a diverse. The tendy is the one I would Yeah, there's some about. there's some form questions. Oh, Tendies no. are fucking weird, dude. Dude, tendies they're the weirdest so fuckers out there. Tendy, the only work tendies are getting in practice is like fucking rush drills. Like practices are not for goaltenders. Practices are for the skaters to set up offense and goalies aren't facing real game situations at all in practice. We've seen goalies struggle making adjustments to new defensive systems when they sign somewhere else. Look at Jack Campbell, for example. It, look at when fucking Ryan Miller got traded to St. Louis uh, right before the deadline back in, I think it was 2014 or 2015. Goaltenders take much longer, I think, to get acclimated, and they need game reps to stay sharp. I, I really they've gotta, they've that's gotta rely. that I they've, would have a little bit of reprehension about. Yeah, because I, I think there's there's a trust factor. There's I think is more than a chemistry. There's more of a trust factor with the goaltenders. It's knowing when you're up on the post on one side. It's knowing that there's a guy covering the man on your backside. And knowing on the Actually, rush who your D's taking and how they're gonna play him. Because you yeah you're reading like two on one or odd man rushes. You got to know exactly where that D is going to angle those guys and whether he's going to take the pass, whether he's going to pressure the puck carrier. You've got so many reads on your team's system that you have to rely on. It's, yeah, that's the one that I, and that's why we don't see goaltenders get traded very often at the trade deadline. Agree. And the reason I disagree is guys like Matt Murray come off the bench in a Stanley Cup playoffs and they win you a cup. With that's the, the thing they, they come off the bench. All year. They come off the bench. But they, yeah, they've been playing play. with that team play, all though. year, though. But see, but that's the thing. So, like, if Jonas Corposalo, if Jonas Corposalo went to um, X team, fuck, I don't know, Edmonton, fucking whoever, and play themselves into form faster than a guy that needs chemistry with either an entire line or a pairing. But my point that when you see a guy come off the bench, though, he's had reps with that team. Like he's been with them all year. He's had some starts when the or yeah, he's got some starts when the starter gets a night off. He knows what to expect. He knows all the systems. He knows who his D is going to take. He, he's basically just plug and play at that point. If he's joining a new organization, so many things are different. I don't disagree. I still think they can play themselves into the fastest of anyone. So, guys, obviously the hot take here. So, at PostgradPhil on Twitter, let me know what you think. The idiot. Or do you think my logic is sound? Let me know. Sounds um, like we got a Twitter poll brewing here, boys. We might have a Twitter poll brewing here, boys. Uh, I think forwards, it depends on your style of play. I think can come in, and if they're more facilitators than they are goal scorers, setting teammates up, it's chemistry, but, you know, you're put on the tape, you're good to go. Here's... Same concept. You got to trust the guy feeding you the pass. Good to go. 
power play might take a minute. Pairing is where I have the most because you got to really trust that fucking guy. Know where he's going to be all the time, otherwise you're screwed. I think and are the hardest to acclimate to a new new team. My opinion. I think it depends on the style of defenseman. If you're like a stay-at-home defender, like uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, for example, you know that like they're probably going to be pairing you with an offensive guy who likes to jump. So your job is to hang back and cover the rush if a puck gets turned over. You you pretty much know your responsibilities, and you're more reacting to the team that you're playing against rather than playing off of your partner. You're just kind of covering his ass. If you're like an offensive breakout guy, that's where I could see it taking a little while to get into rhythm because you got to know the routes your forwards are skating on the breakouts. You got to know what kind of systems you're dealing with for like puck retrievals and stuff like that. If you're just like a rock solid camp in front of the fucking net, keep people out of the crease and block shots guy, you're pretty much plug and play in my opinion. Aaron, Nate, how do you feel about it? Um, I mean, Defenseman, it, it's it is a tricky one. It it's knowing you know when the guy's going to go up, when you're staying back, and vice versa. I mean, there is a lot of chemistry there between D pairings. Um, I mean, it, fuck, they're like they they just have to always be on the same page because the moment those two are not on the same page, that's when fast breaks get let up. That's when pucks get behind you. You, you, those two have to be on the same page. So chemistry is a huge factor with them. And that's why I'm thinking like a yeah. prototypical stay at home, cover your ass guy is the easiest to get in. Cause he always knows he's going to be the one back covering. He's like, yeah. a, you pair a guy like Gavrikov with a guy like Carlson, for example, obviously no team's going to be able to trade for two of them. So we're not going to see it, but I'm just using them as like prototypes. You or like when he played with Rinsky for a little bit, you know, you get, a guy that you know is going to jump up into the play and you know you're going to have to be back for him. You just, you always know where you got to be because the other guy is going to be doing something else. Yeah. Three. Who's it there? So, guys, let us know how you guys feel about, uh, you know, our overall analysis of how guys should sit out and, uh, you know, consequently, position takes the least or the most amount of time to get acclimated with. A new team. We haven't done this segment in a little while, but I wanted to bring it up. Um, I read this on Twitter the other day. I wanted to give this a big shout because thankless life, boys. Michael Pellick at the ECHL down in the Cheddar. Games played record. 860 games. Holy Hockey's shit. version of AA. Sixth rounder, 156th overall pick in the 09 draft to the Los Angeles Kings. For Kitchener, as well as a couple other teams in the OHL, Mississauga being one and St. Michaels, I believe, being the other. Uh, over four years, 35 games in the uh, in the AHL as well, but none since he played for the San Diego Goals in 2015-16. He's never played an NHL game. One dedicated motherfucker. No shit. That's just called... Yeah, that's called being stubborn and not giving up the game. And we and respect to that. Dude, that's the uh, Jimmy John's game. for yourself fucking oh. league. No team meals down there. Wait, your $7 per day per diem. You're getting like Subway, six inches. Do they even get per diem down there? I think they got to pay for that shit out of pocket. Man, I think it's like seven bucks or eight bucks a day. Yeah, I can, if I I can remember. see that. It's very, very cheap. Your lunch, your lunch, basically. 
Yeah, and depend, then like depending I, on where you're at, that might not even be lunch. So yeah, maybe, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, dude, that's a dollar menu fucking per diem. Yeah, you're getting a fucking biggie bag. Bucks, eight bucks goes a long way in Fort Wayne, but not not so much in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I just think that anybody that can stay with it, and the fact that he never like chased a bag in Russia, Sweden. Or da- you know Switzerland or it, anything. He never went anywhere in Europe, in America the entire time, or Canada. Played North America the entire time. In sixty games, chatter nonetheless. He's at almost nine hundred pro. That's a, you uh, go. That's a beer league mentality, <laughs> boys. You're just doing that for the love of the game. For sure. Absolutely, guys. I'm, I'm going to read off every team he's played for. You ready? Let's go. Mario Rain. And the next year, we started in the A with the Manchester Monarchs and then back to the Reign. Finished the year with the Toledo Walleye. Kidding. He then went to Cincinnati after that. Get called up to Norfolk in the A that year. Back to Cincinnati, 12-20-13, where he played for four teams that year. Cincinnati, and then in the A, he played for the Wester, the, you know, Wester, Har Har, Sharks, the Connecticut Whale, and the Peoria Rivermen. Spent the next two seasons in the ECHL playing for the Utah Grizzlies. Then got another call up in 2014-15 to the Rochester Americans, where he had four points in 10 games. Also racked up 21 pins. And went to the Norfolk Admirals, which were then in the ECHL, not the AHL anymore. That, in one game for the San Diego Goals that season, his last game in the AHL. Did manage to get two penalty minutes that game. Steps. Now, 2015-16 till now. Royals, Reading Royals, Utah Grizzlies, Utah Grizzlies, Greenville Swamp Rabbits, Greenville Swamp Rabbits. God, I love the Swamp Naylor. Rabbits. Wheeler Naylor's Indy Fuel, and he's played the last two seasons with the Atlanta Gladiators, and at age 33 this year, boys, in 47 games, and he's a winger. Eight tucks and thirty-six gene or thirty-six apples, forty-four points in forty-seven games at age thirty-three. So still, still putting up productive numbers. Good assist man. A very Jacob Voracek numbers there um, in Atlanta, the only American city to lose NHL franchises. So, big taps to uh, to Michael Pollock for grinding out. I'll follow this guy, you know, for the rest of his career to see if he gets that thousand ECHL game mark right. Dude, I have been thinking throughout this whole list about how it's the Connecticut Whale instead of the Connecticut Whales. There's only fucking one of them. That's how much of a poverty franchise that shit is. The Hartford the Hartford Whalers are gone, but we still have the Connecticut Whale. Just one of them. Endangered species Brutal. over there. Just, just one whale. We've hunted them to, exi- to almost extinction. <laughs> it's fucking wild. That's, it's he was wild. the and, uh, Connecticut Whale. Yeah, he's he's the one. It's just one guy. It's like Tame yeah. and Paula. It's one. That's almost um, more impressive. He's out there fucking racking that shit up on his own, going fucking six v one on the ice. Yeah, it's like Shorzy taking out all of North Bay. No shit. It was a pre. It was a pregame brawl, and I think the distinction is important. <laughs> um, last thing before we uh, wrap this episode up, boys. Uh, big shout out to Stick Taps. We haven't talked about them a lot this year because they're terrible. Um, but Montreal. You know, Martin Saint Louis is in charge, 
And uh, there was a Ukrainian team playing in a Quebec City Pee Wee tournament. And he took the time to sign autographs for all the kids. Uh, class move by Mar Martin San Luis. We're having a tough year. You know, he's a, he's a Stanley Cup champion himself. In a grinding road to become the Hall of Famer that he is. And he still takes time. Go out of his way to, you know, obviously Ukraine's going through a lot right now. But you know, to take the time to go out and, uh, you know, help those kids. I think that speaks a lot of his character. So... Yeah. Just wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, no French translation for that. Sorry, you can deal with the English, I guess. Pardon me, Francais. Um, but yeah, we we bitch. We we bitch. And this is about wrap up this episode of the uh, Barely Hockey Podcast. Aaron, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Marty Saint Louis is a fucking stand up guy, man. Love that dude. Inspiration Beauty. to short kings everywhere. I gotta say. <laughs> Are you saying that you're a short king? Uh, I don't know about the king part, but you know. <laughs> that's the TBD. TBD, that's fair. My girlfriend thinks I'm tall. Yeah, there you go. By comparison. There you go. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters, right? Nate, do you have anything to say before we sign off? Come on, Columbus. Keep on buying in on that tank. Let's do Hell it, baby. Yeah. Let's get us some Connor Bedard. Just perfect fucking execution. It tied in the third period, allow those fucking last second goals all day long. We need that elite center. I mean, we never fucking well, I would rather for except when I go to the game, like I, I would rather than blow them out so I can leave early and like get ahead of the traffic. That's the fuck. That's the one downside, man. Like when they lose within the last second, everybody leaves at the same time, bro. You just gotta, you gotta get there like four hours early and go pregame, get that fucking primo parking garage spot. So you can head out before everyone else hits their cars. That's that's what I try to do, buddy. But you know, my primo parking garage is a little bit of a walk. Damn. Respect for continuing to go to the games, boys. Yeah. Uh, uh, all I'm gonna say is, uh, hopefully, I get to make it to Raw this weekend. I'd be pretty sick to go at least tailgate, you know, film some content for the boys, put it on our social media platform, see what uh, the tailgate scene up there is like. I'm sure there will be no lack of uh, incredible barbecue. That's for goddamn sure. The state is great at that. Hell yeah. So. For Naming Brian Aaron Kenny, I'm Phil Razor. Barely hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast, boys. Mm -hmm.